0: People all around the world love sport. From playing ball in the backyard through to the Olympic and Paralympic podiums, the majority of the world's population play, watch and enjoy sport. Steve Dart from Play Hard Sports gives listeners the chance to meet people from across the world of entertainment, sports and business who are affecting the way international sport is unfolding. So, with the combination of technology, passion and great people wanting to tell their story, it gives rise to Play Hard Sports Behind the Games podcast. Today we're down at Sydney at the National Sports Convention at Rose Hill Racecourse. On Play Hard Sports Behind the Games podcast, we welcome Jared Hill, Director of Sport Edge in Melbourne. Sport Ends are j- experts in the planning, design and construction supervision of sport field of play. Their team members have extensive experience with both natural and synthetic surfaces, having delivered fields of play both nationally and internationally. G'day, Jared. What are you doing today at the National Sports Convention?
1: Yeah, g'day, morning, morning, Steve. Uh, obviously, it's the second day of the, the convention and so far it's been great. There's been a lot of great speakers, great exhibits, so... Hoping to get more out of the, the convention today and learn about more of the trends that are happening. I have the honour of presenting this afternoon on the innovative, innovative designs of sports fields in the future. So hopefully in the graveyard ship we'll still have, shift, we'll still have people turn up and listen to that topic.
0: No doubt, you'll be great. Look, just want to congratulate you very uh, firstly on winning the sports turf category. You yeah. won that last night. How no, was it, that to win that?
1: That was great. No, I mean, it's, it's probably our first recognition of uh, a project, uh, you know, it's our first major project down at Deakin University in Warren Ponds, a uh, multi-use facility. It consisted of an athletics track, synthetic FIFA soccer pitch, an AFL ground, which the Geelong Football Club are using for training. So, you know, It was a great recognition for all the hard work that the guys did uh, on that project uh, and we're, we're proud of it.
0: Wonderful. Might take this time also to mention the great team you have around you there at SportEng. Obviously you've got Gray and, Monique, who else is part of your team down there, mate?
1: Yeah, well, Sporting consists of Graeme and myself as the directors. Yep. Uh, we've got Menick as you mentioned, as our as our marketing and office uh, manager. Uh, and then we've got the team of guys that probably do all the grunt work and we take the glory for in uh, Pete, Georgie and Cam. And we've got Paul, who's recently joined us. So there's a team of seven that we, we specialise in what we call field of play design. So we love what we do, we make it fun, and, and we hope the guys enjoy the time in the office.
0: That's fantastic. Jared. you blend your civil engineering profession with your extensive knowledge for the development of sport and recreational facilities. Why is this important to you? Well,
1: it's funny. If, you, if you'd if you asked me 12 years ago when I f- finished university as a civil engineer if I'd end up designing fields of play, I probably would have laughed. And, and at the time, I had no idea fields of play needed to be designed. I thought it was grass, and you ran on it and it took care of itself. So, yeah. you know, I, as I said, I, I have a background in civil engineering, and a lot of those core skill sets are applied to a field of play design, so whether it be drainage bulk earthwork design, irrigation, water flow through pipework. It's, it's blending the, the knowledge of those skill sets from civil engineering but then mixing it in with the specific requirements from a field of play perspective, whether it be natural turf and the requirements that the turf has or if it be synthetic grass or a running track that needs the high tolerances in the construction. So I think civil engineering gives us a good grounding into what we need to do. To design a, a either a high, high level level community level facility for field to play,
0: wonderful. You've actually um, worked on most major stadia projects throughout Australia. Name some that would come to mind for you now.
1: Yeah, well, the first job I worked on was the MCG Commonwealth Games. Uh, wow. preparation for that. So you know, walking around the G as a you know as a kid watching sport. AFL football at the MCG, it was yep. fascinating uh, and they, for those that aren't aware of what the common, Com Games transition had for the MCG, you know it was a dome playing surface, they came back and reconstructed it as a flat, then they pretty much, uh, after the AFL season they came back and built the athletics track they they buried the athletics track, they played cricket over it, and then they exposed the athletics track and they had it ready for the Com game. so from someone straight out of graduating out of engineering degree, it was a great project to be involved in. But probably the highlight of my experience is probably the Adelaide Oval redevelopment. Um, You know, it was a big project for the town of Adelaide combining cricket and and AFL, which were two two sporting bodies that really didn't see eye to eye. Uh, And here they were, the government, forcing them to, if they both wanted uh, elite facilities, they had to share a facility. So we went, we had to help them with the conversion to a drop-in wicket, you know, cricketers over there, they, they had the permanent wickets, they've had permanent wickets for years and, and going to drop-in wickets, it was a hard sell uh, and they only got the, I think they just got the 55 or 60% vote that they needed to get the wickets to go, to, for the project to go ahead, so I uh, moved to Adelaide for almost two years and worked on that job and it, it was just, it was a great, probably looking after the wickets, the oval, the practice oval and all the civil works was probably the highlight of my career so far.
0: Mate, just listening to it, young kids who would look, listen to this podcast, how does someone get a job like yours obviously fantastic um, uh, life experiences you're getting you started um, tell me about how you were as a kid what what were your direction and how were you at school
1: yeah I mean my growing up I've always been very handy handy with the tools so I did a, a lot of reno, uh, antique renovation uh, with my parents and just you know furniture renovation and, and building with my hands and I always thought I was going to be a builder or a ch- carpenter or a chippy along those times and, and I was good at my maths and Oh, I, I end up with civil engineering um, and I some I, I crudely describe civil engineering um, as a as a um, a rich man's chippy because um, at the end of the day you, you, you're building something that albeit I didn't take this the field of um, structural engineering but um, you know it's still the same mindset you, you, you need to want to be able to solve problems um, you've got to have that mentality that you want to to work through things that can't always be easy to solve and You you come up with a solution and you and you get satisfaction out of that solution.
0: Yeah, well said. Um, What are your uh, interests outside of civil engineering?
1: Uh, Well, sport, (laughs) which is which is which is a nice mix of where I am now. So, you know, I I live and breathe sport. Sport probably too much of the. Detriment of my my, <laughs> my wife's liking, but um, you know I, I love sport uh, and I love still building furniture, so they're probably my two fas- passions outside of
0: family. Sure. What sport are you into?
1: Uh, everything. I mean, I was I was I played a lot of football and a lot of basketball growing up, but anything that's on TV, um, I watch uh, in a sport in the sport realm.
0: All right, let's dig deeper. What are you most passionate about?
1: What am I most passionate about?
0: Because uh, you're a passionate guy, I can tell. I am.
1: I, I, I genuinely am passionate about my job. Um, again, you'd probably ask my staff, and I'm probably too passionate. But you know, I, I love doing. It. I, I work on stadiums and I work on community facilities, and I, I probably the biggest buzz I get. You know, I've been to opening faci- venues for the opening test at the Adelaide Oval. I've been to Amy Park's first game for the rugby. But probably the biggest thing I like opening up is a, an athletics track, a community facility, and you see 200 or 300 kids running around it on that day. And, you, you know, you're not just looking at it, elite athletes competing, you're looking at community facility use, yeah. getting used at high level, high um, participation. And that's probably, you know, I, I get a buzz from that. And I like knowing that what I'm doing is hopefully giving something back to the community in a, in a healthy way.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. What's the biggest risk you've ever taken?
1: Well, probably the biggest risk is, is setting up Sport engine. You know, okay. I, I worked for a big uh, engineering company, Arup, which is probably one of the top three global engineering firms, and yep. I was happy there. Yep. And I could have kept doing what I was doing, working on elite facilities. But at the, the what we were looking at, we couldn't um, work on the community level facilities. We just our pay structure wasn't set up in a way that we could be competitive on those on those type of facilities. So. Two, over two and a bit years ago on April Fool's Day my grey and I resigned to set up Sport Eng wow. um, and you know oh, Arup were fantastic to me they, they've helped me along the way we still we still share services I help them out they help me out so yep. it's a great relationship so that's probably the biggest the biggest risk I've taken Was up.
0: there sleepless nights in that decision being made towards it?
1: Oh there was but you know the, the beauty about the sporting industry is you know you know everyone uh, and if you treat everyone well, they treat you well. So I was able to make some phone calls through to clients that I had good relationships with and, and use them as sounding boards as to whether, whether they saw a need for a gap that I saw, which was a specialist engineering firm de- designed purely field of play. So I rang them around and they, they said, yes, we've been crying for it. So um, there was sleepless nights and still are. Yeah. <laughs> the more staff you take on, the more mouths you've got to feed. Yeah. So, but no, definitely uh, that was probably the biggest risk.
0: Who is your inspiration?
1: That's, that's a good question. I, I've recently, um, I'd say, in a celebrity sense, I've probably been rocked biggest by the, the passing of Muhammad Ali. Uh, wow. I, I love boxing and yep. I love what he had and uh, yep. what he did and, and the way he his views on life. Now he's stuck with his views. So from a from a celebrity sense, that with a lot of passings of celebrities, probably one that's rocked me the biggest. Um, and not that I'm any good at rock boxing and not that I have any bravado that he does, but he was a he was a you know. He just the drive, the passion. He always wanted to be the best, and I'm not saying that's that's my endeavours, but he was someone that pushed me. And then obviously on a on a, you know, on a personal level, you got your family, and I had a very close um, friend who was a older like an older brother to me that was a looked looked after me. So yeah, I'd say family, friends, and, and um, probably yeah, Muhammad Ali's probably up there, someone who's influenced me uh, more than probably on you.
0: All right. So what do you make of this? One of his best quotations was. Don't count the days. Make every day count. Uh, and what I've, does that mean to you?
1: Oh, that means a lot. I, I'd even go to the extent that every minute counts. Um, I was <laughs> I was having this conversation with the staff, a couple of staff members, the other day. There's a there's a movie called about a boy with um, Hugh Grant in it. Yeah. and it's uh, one of those rom-com chick flicks, which I'm um, unashamedly say <laughs> I watch a lot of. Uh, but he he divides his days up into units. He has units. So many every so many days. days made up of so many units, and and I view my. My, my day is the same. I don't like wasting time. Um, I, I get frustrated. I was delayed in an airport for two and a half hours and I hate being delayed when it's outside of my control. Yeah, time so, is the asset, isn't it? It is, and it's a negative thing. You know, you, you don't relax. Um, but I, I have the ability to still switch off when I need to, so... Uh, yeah, so that quote means a lot to me in the sense that you make, I make every second count.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful, mate. Just recently, you um, penned a great blog in LinkedIn called "The Future of Hemocages Cages." That affects us quite a bit because it's, we have fabricated one that's um, leading in the market. Yep. Can you explain why you did that?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, it is you know, athletics designs are predominantly they're governed by the IWF, which is predominantly set up for Olympic and Com Games. So you know, they're designed for that elite uh, venue and use more so and then there's the shortcomings particularly with the, the throw cages in the sense that they're they're the ones that are on the market are designed for a com games, Olympic game venues where they go up and they come back down when the, the event's over. They're not designed for a community facility and they get left up 24-7 and the netting gets left up 24-7 that they act, act as, a, as a sale so I always saw a, a, a need in that uh, in that part of the athletics track design that needed to be addressed and you know the throw cages they're, they're great, they, they make that Easier, risk-free. Um, so much easier accounts that they can leave them up all year round. They can. They're fairly. They're much more vandal-proof than the old ones. Uh, if they get hit by a K or by a, a a random discus or hammer case that just bounces off them, whereas the aluminium ones you hit them and they ding, and then you yeah. know that already reduces yep. structural integrity of yep. it. So, so when I saw it, you know, I am a strong believer of if I see something that works and is great, I want other people to know about it. That's
0: great because um, you just recently saw the superstructure, so it was quite an eye opener for you, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, it was. I saw it being installed down at in Melton yep. uh, Bridge Road Athletics Track Facility, and, and it's fantastic. It, it looks, it looks great. You know, there's a an athletics track that is such a large spanse of the area, which is quite flat having that vertical element that I'll say it's, it's a sexy structure at the same time as being yeah, practical thanks. like it's not just one of those big ugly ones That sort of it really brings a bit of a wow factor so you have the you have the sports lights if they've got lighting up there and you've got this thing that sort of stands out as almost like the trophy piece of the venue
0: wow thanks for saying that we really appreciate your support no, that's good. Uh, sport eng project three point play what is it
1: yeah, I mean it's a bit of play on words, you know. In regards good, to, I mean, again, my back, basketball background, background coming up the three point play. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that you've got to plan it right. Yep. Uh, too often, when I would be responding to a design brief, uh, someone's already made a decision on what the what the layout of the facility is going to be, and more importantly, what the dollars is going to be. So it'll come to me at the design phase, and I'll think, okay, you you want this? It's going to cost you two mil. You've got one million dollars to spend. And it's frustrating because then you're having to find ways to cut corner and already value manage before you even started. So the three-point play is, is a it, is it plan right, build it right, and design uh, sorry, plan right, design it right, build it right. Correct. Um, and I, I think it's a simple process. If you, if you get the right measures in front to plan it, yes, you may need to spend a little bit more money, uh, in a planning phase you, but it's not money that's going to waste. if you do a bit of geotech, a survey and get some engineering input you, confirm, you can reduce your risk it's all about reducing risk everything I, we do from a design is to try to reduce the risk for the client so the more money you can spend up front to try to remove the risk alleviate the risk for the client uh, it's a better outcome so the the planet, it, design it, and build it right process is, is trying to, again, mitigate that risk through that process.
0: Wonderful. Being from the Gold Coast, we're very uh, proud to have the Metricon Stadium there. You did the redevelopment with that one? Yes, yeah. Talk so, us through that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Metricon, uh, again, I'd never been to the Carrara where the Brisbane Bears used to play out of many moons ago. Uh, and then, obviously, the Suns came along to play it along. So, again, it was a... You know, I've had the pleasure of working with the AFL on many, on many facilities now, and they're always great to deal with, so... Stadia, from a pitch sense, is you know it's probably one of the easiest elements to design because you've got the the ring infrastructure already in place by the seating bowl or everything. So you're working within a confined environment. So from a design sense, you're 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 not replicating something that's been done before, but you, you know your parameters. So it's understanding those parameters and then it's really understanding the climate and working with the climate, what their expectations are, how many games they're doing, and understanding what profile, drainage, and irrigation and turf best suits at so again it's like all jobs I don't prefer I don't um, claim to be the best and I have a, thankfully have a very strong network with curators with turf contractors with turf um, experts you know I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for a gentleman by the name of John Nayland in the turf fraternity. He's probably the godfather of turf in Australia. Explain he, why? Oh, he he just knows everything. Okay. He's, he's a grumpy old bastard, and he, I say that to him, and he'll, he'll hate he he'll hate me for saying that. But <laughs> yeah. but he's all, he knows everything. Uh, he shoots from the hip. He, he's, there's no there's no black and white with John. It's it's all black and white with John. You know, it's right or it's wrong. There's no grey. So yeah, you know, he's helped me out more so than probably most people in that turfing world. So you know. We get drawn in on all our jobs, um, so you know, the Metricon project. I got to talk to all the curators, the Tony Wears, the MCG, the, the Damien Hoffs of the Adelaide Oval. You know, you, you use these guys as sounding boards because things change. Yeah. What you designed last week is different to what you designed next week. You know, there's not one thing. Uh, we we finish jobs and I look back straight away and say there's things i changed straight away. So it's, it's it's ever evolving. So you've got to be open to change. You've got to be open to asking for help.
0: That's excellent. Do you find that um, conventions like this are good for you to see what's around the corner oh, and what's definitely. coming? Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, these conventions are great. A, it's it's, a, it's always great to get everyone in the same building together and you, you, you know everyone. The sporting fraternity is so small, you know everyone. So you know a lot about them. You spend a lot of time with them on the field, travelling. You see each other in, in Qantas lounges as you're passing because you're always on the road. So these conventions are great for, A, catching up, but B, understanding what the latest trends are. You know, I, As I said, I'm speaking this afternoon on what I see as the next... Future trends in innovation of field of play design. So, they're things that I see based on what I'm seeing in the overseas and, 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 and trends I think will start influencing the way we design our fields of play.
0: Can you give us a little bit of a, a quick briefing of what that might be you're discussing up there?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously one of the big talking points of the whole convention at the moment is hybrid turf. Mm-hmm. Um, still, there's only the one installation of a true hybrid down at Melbourne City Football Club's um, elite training venue that we work with HG Sports Turf on. So I think that's, that'll be a trend that'll, that'll continue to, to move in the uh, elite arena, but I think we'll start seeing it in the community arena, arena as there's still some uncertainty around uh, synthetic grasses. It's still that... Provides that nice mix between synthetic and hybrid, and the other two probably topics that I are really passionate about um, is what I'd say uh, sporting elite sporting clubs European style. Mm-hmm. So taking the, the, the Real Madrid type model where you've got a, an exclusive venue that is owned by the club they can de- develop it any way they want they have a de- development squad, a women's squad seniors and reserve squad and it's a fully exclusive venue they'll have you know, 15, 20, 30 pitches and it's all theirs so they can shut the gate, they can have closed sessions they can open the gate and the media comes to them but it's theirs to control how they want uh, and the other, the other exciting one that I see is uh, universities in American style. So the big, the big um, facilities over um, the the, the wow factors. You know, we did it down at Deakin uh, University in Geelong. These large facilities that are that are in, within the community, within the university spaces. So you've got, you've got universities with students who are living on the grounds, and they. Believe it or not, they, they they need these informal spaces and formal spaces for sport, and we've we've built this one down at Deakin, and its uptake has been un. You know, they they couldn't predict how much uptake informal and formal use they've had. It's been great, so they're probably three topics that I, I see will be happening more so sooner rather than later.
0: What excites you about the future of sport?
1: Why well, there's just no limit. I love it. I think there's just no limit. There's always going because to be... The guys like innovation. you behind it, there's not. That's well, sure. I mean, as I said, I don't think I'm the, the be-all and end-all with the solutions, I, but what I do is I listen and I try to bring the right people to the table. So if you can, if people can keep doing that and keep addressing that, I think you know, there's, there's no limit. I think we're probably in, at the hardest point we are at the moment with technology and trying to attract participation levels in our sports. Uh, I see that as something that needs to be addressed, but... I see it's it's exciting times if we can address that through our schools and make sure kids are still active like we were 15 20 years ago um, I think there's no reason why we can't keep having these facilities and the and the the elite surfaces the elite technology is getting cheaper so we're going to be able to start pushing them down to community That's levels grind. and we can have kids that are going to be able to turn up to an athletics track and yes. and have have force plates ready there and they can they can look at themselves when they're running along the track or they can have permanent timing equipment there because it'll be cheap and they're going to be able to do it and it brings just another level of um, fun hopefully to them but also a level of professionality that they probably haven't been able to expose to. That's
0: excellent. Jared, I always ask my guests this on the podcast show, if you could place a phone call to yourself at the age of 20, what advice would you give to him?
1: I've I've done a couple of interviews now and I don't like the sound of my voice so probably hearing myself talk to myself is probably not the the best outcome Uh, what would I ever say to myself at 20? Uh,
0: Because you're full of wisdom but you probably you would give yourself some kind of advice back then
1: Uh, Yeah, I I would I'm definitely not I'm not perfect I'm trying to think what that would be I'd probably slow down Okay, probably slow down. It's probably the biggest thing. Uh, Smell take, the roses a
0: bit more. Yeah, or? yeah, and enjoy the wind
1: Take a step back and just every now and then just look at what you've accomplished. Uh, again, not saying we've, we've built the world, but you know we've, we've what if since what eight to twenty so fourteen years now I've, I've done a bit and yep. I probably haven't always had a chance to sit back and look at it I'd probably say just yeah, sit back smell the roses and enjoy it every now and then
0: congratulations mate um, if people would like to uh, find out a bit, bit more about sports engine yourself where would they find you
1: yeah our website www.sportengine.com.au and as I said to a lot of people at the convention, if you've got any queries, just give me a call. My, uh, my number's on the website. I'm always happy just to chew the fat. I love sport, love sport design. I'm happy to give away free IP. It <laughs> doesn't sound good, but you know, it's it an interesting point. I used to work for a company, said Arup, and said ARIP, and they had a, a genius engineering there who was part architect, part structural engineer. And, and he used to say, Well, what's the point in keeping IP if we, we can't share it with the world? Correct. You know, we want to build a better place, and the only way if we've got the best of it, let's share it. So again, not saying we've got the best of it, but I'm happy to share it.
0: Jared, we really appreciate your time, and uh, we wish you well in everything that you move forward to. Us. No, thank you very much. Thank Thanks you. so much.